Chapter thirty one of the Emancipation of South America by Bartolome Mitre, translated by William Pilling. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Piotr Natter. The Expedition to the South, eighteen twenty one. Cochrane, having failed to persuade San Martin to undertake active operations against Lima, and not content with the role imposed upon him of simply blockading Callao, set his fertile brain to work to devise some means of capturing these fortifications. San Martin entered heartily into his plans, and by means of his secret agents opened communications with some of the subordinate officers of the fortress, and placed Miller with 550 men under the orders of the admiral. Nails made in Lima for the purpose were distributed among the conspirators, who were to spike the guns when an attack was made on the northern forts, a part of the garrison was bought over, and false keys were made to open the gates. But the viceroy, who seemed to be quite as well served by his spies as San Martin was by his, took measures to circumvent these plans, so nothing was attempted. Cochrane then proposed, with a small force of infantry, moving rapidly by sea from place to place, to wear out the royalist army by continual marchings to and fro, and San Martin at last resolved to send an expedition to the south to cooperate with the movements of Arenales in the highlands. Six hundred picked infantry and eight hundred horse under Miller were placed at the disposal of Cochrane for this purpose. On the 22nd of March, Miller and his troops landed at Pisco and took possession of the town of Chincha under protection of the guns of the San Martin, O'Higgins and Valdivia, an attack on an advanced party by Colonel Loriga being beaten off by Captain Videla. On the same day, an insurrectionary movement took place in Cusco, headed by Colonel Lavin, an Argentine, formerly an ardent royalist, but at this time under arrest in that city on account of an abortive conspiracy at Arequipa. The insurrection was put down, all the insurgents, including Lavin, being killed. Leaving Miller at Chincha, the admiral then sailed off to Cerro Azul, but being unable to effect a landing on account of the heavy sea, he wrote to San Martin again, advising an attack on Lima, and later on asked for a further reinforcement of infantry for an attack on Cerro Azul, which was the key to the provinces of the south. San Martin could spare no more men, whereupon he wrote to O'Higgins, asking for a contingent which would enable Miller to penetrate into Upper Peru. San Martin also wrote in support of this suggestion, but the Chilean government replied that they could do no more, which was the simple truth. Meantime the Spaniards at Pisco and their adherents suffered heavily from forced contributions to the great discredit of the expedition. The viceroy, on hearing of the landing at Pisco, dispatched a division under Camba, to watch the movements of the patriots. Inland from Pisco lay two beautiful valleys, the Chincha Alta and the Chincha Baja. Campa encamped in the first of these valleys, while Miller moved up from the town and encamped in the second. For a month the two parties sat watching, each the other, doing nothing. Then an enemy more to be feared than either came down on both of them, the endemic fever of the coast, the Tertian Egg. Both those beautiful valleys became hospitals, where officers and men lay prostrate. Cochrane's idea of wearing out the royalist army by fruitless marchings to and fro was by no means easy of accomplishment, yet still he persevered. 
On the 22nd of April the expedition was re-embarked, Miller being carried on board, while most of his men were barely able to hold their muskets. Cochrane then sailed away for Arica, where there was a six-gun battery and a garrison of 300 men. After a fruitless cannonade, 250 men were landed higher up the coast in two divisions, one of which, led by Miller, marched on the city of Tacna, while Major Soler of the Grenadiers marched with the other upon Arica, which is the port of Tacna. Arica was evacuated by the enemy on his approach, and Soler, starting in pursuit, captured a string of mules on the road to Lima, which were laden with $120,000 in specie. Effects to the value of $300,000, the property of Spaniards resident in Lima, were also confiscated in the town and shipped on board the San Martin. Miller was received with enthusiasm at Tacna and was joined by many volunteers. The garrisons of both the city and the port passed over to him and were embodied in a new battalion styled the Loyalists of Peru. Cochrane presented the new corps with a flag, a golden sun on a blue background. One of the volunteers was a Peruvian named Landa, a man of gigantic stature and well acquainted with the country, who had served in the ranks of the royalists. To the service which he subsequently rendered to the patriots, much of the success of the expedition may be attributed. Another of the volunteers was Colonel Portocarrero, also a Peruvian, who was one of the secret agents of San Martin. Miller had now 900 men under his orders, of whom 400 were drilled troops, and determined to enter upon a formal campaign. Rumor had greatly exaggerated the number of his forces, and all the country about was in a ferment. General Ramirez, who was stationed at Puno, directed several detached corps to concentrate on the river Ilo, under Colonel Santos La Era, to resist the invasion. Miller, who was kept well informed by Portocarrero and Landa, started to prevent this concentration of the royalists. He reached the river Samba on the 20th of May, and at midnight, after a forced march of 18 hours across a desert, reached the Ilo, opposite to the village of Mirave, where La Era was encamped. An advanced picket gave the alarm, but two Englishmen, named Hill and Hun, with twenty men, forded the river and drew off the attention of the enemy, while Miller and the bulk of his force crossed unmolested in the darkness. At daybreak Miller attacked the village and carried it after a sharp struggle, in which young Welsh, Cochrane's physician, who accompanied the expedition as a volunteer, was killed. Hardly had the last fugitives of La Era's party disappeared when Colonel Rivero came in sight with another detachment from Puno, mounted on mules. A few rockets put them to flight. The same afternoon Miller started in pursuit, and on the 24th reached the city of Moquegua, where Porto Carrero was deputy governor, who at once passed over to him. The remains of La Era's force had been overtaken and made prisoners by Soler, and on the 26th Miller overtook Rivero, and either killed or made prisoners nearly all his party. In fifteen days from landing, Miller, with his small force, had put more than a thousand of the enemy hors de combat, and Cochrane wrote to San Martin, telling him that in eight days more they would have Arequipa. La Era, having met in his flight with other parties on the march to join him, 
now turned upon Miller and tried to cut off his retreat, but Miller reached Tacna in safety, and was there met by the news of the armistice of Punchauca. During the suspension of hostilities, Miller employed his time in drilling his raw troops, while Ramirez collected 2,000 men to oppose him. Cochrane returned to Callao, leaving only three small transports at Arica, which very soon followed him. Miller, left to himself, was at the expiration of the armistice compelled to retreat to Arica, where he seized four merchant vessels and embarked with those of his partisans who were most seriously compromised, leaving his sick to the care of La Era, who, grateful for the kindness shown by Miller to his prisoners, gave them every possible attention. A great contrast to the general procedure of the royalist leaders. Miller, now raised to the rank of colonel, sailed from Arica on the 22nd of July, and being unable, by reason of the heavy sea, to land near Islay for an attempt on Arequipa, turned north and landed at Pisco. After destroying a royalist force under Santaya, he established himself at Ica, and assumed command of the district. As a diversion, this expedition was more successful than could have been expected from the small force employed, thanks to the brilliant qualities displayed by Miller in separate command. Greater results might have been achieved by the employment of a larger force, but without reinforcements from Chile, that could only have been accomplished at the expense of more important objects. This campaign concluded with a disaster. The San Martin, already laden with booty, had, in defiance of the armistice, seized a cargo of wheat at Moyendo, and went to the bottom, when discharging at Torillos, a fate ominous of that which was soon to overtake her great namesake. End of chapter 31